0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with 7 drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. In today's show, over 16,000 new excuses to travel the world as if you needed any more. I'll share what that's all about, plus some updates from Querétaro, Mexico where I'm recording this live it's all happening next and so much more are you ready to do this let's do this buckle up thanks for being here and welcome to the zero to travel podcast my friend you're listening to the zero to travel podcast where we explore exciting travel-based work lifestyle and business opportunities helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams Now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up, my friend? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Like I said at the top, I'm recording live from Mexico. Not sure where in the world you are at, but I'm excited to be here and bring a little travel into your ears today. This, of course, is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire no matter what your situation or experience. I'm loving this town, Querétaro, Mexico. I finally learned how to say it. My Spanish is pretty rusty, but starting to come back and we're here. I'm here with my buddy, Travis, who's co-founder of a community that I run called Location Indie. It's all about helping people be location independent, Live that work, travel, lifestyle. If you want to learn more, you can check it out at locationindie.com. Anyway, we're doing a gathering here for our community. So we're doing a walking tour of this colonial city. It's a UNESCO World Heritage City. We're hiking to one of the tallest monoliths in the world. We're doing some workshops, doing brunch, eating a lot of Mexican food, just hanging out and having a blast. And we actually have our welcome party tonight. I'm recording this right before the party. It's just so cool to meet people in person that you get to know online through a community. So, Hey, I encourage you if you've been interacting with anybody online, you can meet up at all in person. It's such a wonderful thing. And to meet up in a place like Mexico, I feel so privileged to be able to share an adventure with others. And I'm thinking about doing some similar things with zero to travel, maybe doing some trips, getting people together. And I just love the vibe of this community. I I hear from individuals in this community, Often, and I just know y'all would get along so well if you met each other. So let's figure something out. Let's figure something out soon. If you have any uh, advice or suggestions, you can always hit me up, Jason at zero to travel.com. I do want to give a shout out at the end of the show to somebody who wrote me an email recently. I'll always love to highlight stories from the community. They're inspiring to me, and I think some of them are inspiring to you as well. We got an action packed show today with the two founders of one of my favorite websites, Atlas Obscura. And you heard me say at the top of the show, over 16,000 excuses to travel because uh, currently at the time of this recording on their website, they have 16,987 unique places and foods collected that they're featuring on their site. And it's all sorts of sites and uh, sort of off the beaten track type of experiences and places to visit, abandoned buildings, all kinds of eclectic travel sites. I don't really know how else to describe, but you have to check it out and you're going to hear more about it in this interview. I don't know about you. I don't really need that much of an excuse to travel, but it's fun to have one. I like to have a little mission and that's one of the things that makes this trip I'm on great because we're having uh, an experience here. We have a good excuse to come to Mexico to do our community gathering, but we also get to check out a gorgeous UNESCO World Heritage City. And the reason why we ended up here is because our buddy Ray lives here. And it's only about three hours south of Mexico City. And if you're traveling through Mexico at all, it's a, not a place a lot of people go from what I understand and what the reading I've done. But I would highly recommend visiting Querétaro. It's a nice little hidden gem. These are some of my favorite places to visit, places that not everybody's going. For whatever reason, in Mexico, it's probably because there's no beach near here. <laughs> a lot of people like to go to the coast, spend time on the beach, and I totally get that. It's just great to be back in Mexico for the first time in a while. I mentioned my Spanish being pretty rusty. It's so strange how the words come back after you hear them. Thankfully, I got a little jump on things with my Pimsler audio courses. If you've been listening to the show, you know this is my favorite way to learn a language via audio on the go. If you go to 0 zerototravel.com slash easy You'll be able to see a special offer for zero to travel listeners and Pimsleur is supporting today's show. So I want to thank them. I'm a huge fan of this product and they sent me the Spanish course before I came here. So I got to brush up and bring things back. And that's what Pimsler is great for. Whether you're just starting from scratch, you want to start speaking right away and get at a decent level. You can do that within a month or you just want to brush up on a language you've learned before. You can do it on the go through audio. This is the same language learning method used by organizations like the FBI and the State Department. If you go to -to zerototravel.com slash easy, check out their free trial. You can try it for free for seven days if you like the courses You can get access to all the courses of any language you want to learn for a low monthly subscription rate, just like Netflix or Spotify. You just pay one low monthly subscription instead of having to pay hundreds of dollars for all these courses. It's an amazing deal. So you're to travel.com slash easy. Thanks to Pimsler for supporting today's show and for helping me chat with some of the locals here. I've been chatting with the Uber drivers (laughs) as we go around town. And yeah, we've been a little Spanglish, I guess has been happening. I keep confusing some Norwegian words but getting by getting to you know learn a little bit about their families and uh, people here are just so easygoing it's uh, just a beautiful way to connect with people through language and it just reminds me every time I travel you can just say a few words in the local language it makes a huge difference so there you go i want to get into today's show now the interview with the founders of atlasobscura.com i just i was a little nervous for this chat because I'm a big fan of their work and their site. So you're going to hear it now. And on the other side, we're going to give a shout out to somebody in the community, a beautiful story I want to share with you. Plus a quote that ties this show together perfectly. Stick around for that. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. so excited to be chatting with the founders of one of my favorite travel resources out there, atlasobscura.com, whose mission is to, quote, inspire wonder and curiosity about the incredible world we share. They also have a number one best selling book, Atlas Obscura, An Explorer's Guide to the World's Hidden Wonders, which I've gifted to a few people already over the holidays. And uh, you guys also sent me your newest book, which I'm holding here, which I have been reading to my daughter, The Atlas Obscura Explorer Guides for the World's Most Adventurous kid. I still feel like a kid when I'm reading it most of the time. So, Josh four and Dylan Thuras, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks. you. Pleasure to be here.
0: It's my pleasure. And uh, from what I understand, and we were just talking a little bit before the call, you guys have kids as well. There were two reasons why it took me about three days to prepare for this chat. One is uh, the deep dive on your site that just has me constantly revising my bucket list, which is a, a, kind of an endless thing. Also... The kids, man. The kids make it hard to get stuff done nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you guys found the uh, found some of the similar challenges building the building the website and trying to do everything you're doing and, and having kids? I just want to know I'm not alone.
1: I, I, you're not. A, I think it's it's lucky that Josh and I started this ten years ago and not three years ago. <laughs> right. I mean, it wouldn't have been started. That's the answer. Yeah, It <laughs> wouldn't have
2: happened. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, it we'd definitely be, could be a challenge. we could have, have started a diapers brand or something,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be billionaires. Um, uh, no, it's uh, yeah, it's it can be hard to find time for sure.
2: As far
0: as you guys meeting, it sounds like Dylan, you kind of applied for a very competitive job that was uh <laughs> or you met online. How did how did that all go down?
1: Yeah, we met. We met online the single most important email of my entire life and kind of a really random one like one that was did not need to be sent but but I'm glad I sent it. Um yeah, I, I was I was working in the film industry and finishing up a really long stint as an editor on a documentary about Paris Hilton and was uh understandably kind of like uh burnt out of that world. Um, and I'd already sort of made plans to, you know, leave the country. My wife and I were going to, were moving to Hungary to teach English. But then I saw that Josh, who was one of my favorite uh, bloggers on the internet, blogging then anonymously, so I actually didn't know quite who he was, uh, but he had this incredible site uh, called the uh, Athanasius Kirker Society. Uh, and it was this, you know, collection of, of in- amazing, wonderful um, and it just sort of pulled the wonder out of the world and it it, it really touched on so many things that I, I found fascinating and was interested in. So, Josh put up a call for someone to help him make a real world event out of this. And I thought, what the hell? I've got I've got some time between now and when I'm I'm leaving. I want to do something that I'm really excited about. So I wrote an email. I was we were both like I don't know, 24 or something, 25, maybe around there, like that. Yeah, 24. I think we were both like 24. And I, I
2: of course it was the only email i received (laughs) so i was like what the hell (laughs) and and discovered that we were uh soulmates so you know there you go it doesn't it doesn't just happen uh on on tinder (laughs)
0: right it's not just the dating sites but i mean was it when you guys met in person the first time was it at the event or just kind of preparing for it and
1: no it was way before the event i mean it was sort of we were just getting together to kind of suss each other out a little bit right um you did not tell me I was the only person who had reached out. You were like quite serious about. It. You were like, well, we'll see, we'll see if this will. But wait, we <laughs> we found that we got along very well, and uh, and then we started started you know trying to put this uh, event together. Um, and I was a little bit intimidated because Josh, you know, came from a pretty serious even at twenty four journalistic background. He had recently uh, won the memory championships, you know, which is obviously uh, kind of intimidating. And I was trying to do my best to, to bring, uh, bring my a game. And, and we ended up just putting on this, this this event that I think we both felt was, was very wonderful. It really lived up, I think, to both of our visions of how silly and wonderful and fun uh, it could be. And it uh, started our, our working relationship.
2: Among among Dylan's many contributions to that night were uh, he produced a um, the first ever performance of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, at least the balcony scene, in the invented language of Sol Ray Sol, which was a, an 18th century artificial language that was not spoken, but sung, or performed on a musical instrument, or performed it with a uh, rainbow of colors. And so that was a uh, synesthetic feast for the eyes and ears uh, that Dylan put together. Um, that
1: was fun. The first and only time? <laughs> first and only. First and last. We know, we know. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: but that, uh, out of that meeting um, and that sort of meeting of minds, so me and Dylan came Atlas Obscura, which was this idea that like we want to create a... It started with we want to create a resource for people like us in the world uh, so that when we are out traveling and even exploring our own uh, hometowns. Uh, like how do you find the really great, amazing places that, uh, you know, are only open on Tuesdays from three 30 to five 30 and you have to ring a bell and um, to get in. And, and, and so we, we knew we wanted to create a kind of Atlas of the world's hidden wonders. And, and that's, and that's where Atlas Obscura came from.
0: Well, I mean, even going further back to when you guys were growing up, was there a big interest in travel for, for each of you then? And, and maybe you can speak to that one. I mean, what was this your childhood like? Did you guys travel a lot or did it become... Because there are a lot of different ideas that you can pursue in life, right? As you guys know, you've done many interesting things you know, prior to this. And you know, sometimes one of those things that's the hardest thing to do is just to choose the idea that you want. But obviously this one really resonated with you. And I'm wondering why a travel web-based website, you know, all about travel and, and things around the world. I mean, the curiosity and the wonders and what you just discussed, but is there something deeper with travel there that is in each of your backgrounds?
1: Growing up, my family didn't have a, a lot of money. And so that meant that the available kind of travel for us, and we, we, I grew up in the Midwest, my parents, my whole family, both sides are Midwesterners. So that sort of lends itself to the great road trip as the go-to form of travel. I and mean, my parents didn't, actually really leave the country with the exception of Canada until they came and visited me when I was living in Eastern Europe. That was like the first time they took a like transatlantic flight.
0: Right. Okay. How about you, Josh? Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, interestingly, the uh, defining, really the defining experience of my life in many ways, uh, of my professional life happened when I was about 20 years old. Um, when I, during a summer uh, in in college, I got an old beat up minivan and took out the back seats and used it to drive around the country for two months uh, and really explore America, which I only knew, you know, from really the East Coast and the West Coast at that point in my life. And on that trip, it became my mission to find the kinds of places that actually ended up populating Atlas Obscura and to write about them every day. And I was doing this kind of as an, an experiment for myself. This was, by the way, back when gas was like a dollar a gallon. There was a, a moment when it was really possible to travel uh, extensively in the United States for not very much money. And um, I found that I loved that. And I loved like the discovery of it. I loved telling people about the things that I had found. And uh, when I came back, from that trip, that's when I kind of decided I wanted to be a journalist. And it's also, I think, probably helped plant the seed somewhere in the back of my head that, like, the resources that I was using on that trip, uh, and I know Dylan had the same frustrations when he was traveling around Europe, were, like, few and far between for finding these kinds of places that ended up becoming Atlas Obscura. Like, I remember I had I had a crate full of books that I was carrying around in my minivan, and, um, and, I, you know, I'd, I'd be driving through Oklahoma and I'd pull out four different books and look through them. And sometimes there'd be something interesting. Sometimes there wouldn't be. I remember uh, this Museum of the Odd I found in, in I think it was in Lincoln, Nebraska, that was in a guy's house, um, which I found in one of these guidebooks. <laughs> and, like, that, the fact that this was so hard to do was part of what I think inspired us to want to create out- Atlas Obscure, I know. I mean, I went. Dylan was.
1: What? What? What was that? That book that you used when you were all over Europe, Dylan? What was it the- called? Mm-hmm. Weird Europe was the. Was the, I had. We had a few, but um, Weird Europe was probably the best. But the irony was also that, like, not only were they sort of random and sparse and and hard to use to actually do the travel, but interestingly, they also often missed. Once you actually went to some of these places, you were like that. That little write up. That paragraph. That said, oh, it's this place is so creepy, you know. Like it missed the thing that was the most interesting part of it. Like there's a whole incredible story to be told that is above and beyond the fact that you're in a whatever church made of skulls or whatever it is, you know. And 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 that sort of really was one of the things that I, I found that that made me want to uh, create out obscure. It was just I feel like there were more deeper stories to be told about a lot of these places.
0: Yeah, I love that because obviously it's. It's subjective, right? One person's creepy is another person's, <laughs> you know, must see event of the of the entire trip. And I mean, I think do you guys think inherently some of these lesser-known sites are these things like abandoned buildings or places where, you know, they're not tourist draws. There's some external things that can happen by making those choices as a traveler, right? Like you're already getting off the beaten path just by seeking those places out, but then you guys are also, you're giving us a different story around that than just, like you said, what maybe some of the guidebooks have in the past. Um, I mean, do you, do you think that plays into it as well for you? Just finding these places is, is an adventure in itself and kind of gives you a different travel experience? Totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes the fact that you got to go to the tiny town, sort of three hours outside of your, your, off the interstate like whatever you find along the way a- and and it may not be an atlas a- at all and it may be the thing that is actually like the best part of that experience some of it's just about sort of forcing your hand to get off the like very well-worn travel pathways because they get surprisingly deep like it's very easy to kind of fall into the exact same path that's been laid down uh by kind of traditional travel media and so just being kind of forced off of that is, the, is a first step. Yeah, totally.
0: Right. I mean, I think you said in an AMA, Josh, uh, on Reddit, that I think we discovered at some point that Atlas Obscura wasn't really a guide so much as a lens and a way of looking at the world with a sense of wonder and curiosity. Uh, the fact that you guys have uh, put your heart and souls into this project and, you're, you know, you're dedicating your lives to this project right now, has that heightened your own wondering curiosity just by simply uh, focusing on it, I guess, or having that, that intention behind it.
2: Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think that one of the realizations we had early on was that what we were creating was actually something much bigger than just this, you know, geographical compendium of places that were interesting to visit, that we were trying to define a way of being in the world of living with a sense of curiosity and a sense of wonder in a sense of awe even, um, about this incredible planet that we all share, however, briefly. And so Atlas at a certain point kind of grew from being just this collection of places into what it is now, which is really, um, a, I mean, like a, a media company and an experiences company. So, you know, we, we ended up publishing this book, obviously we've, um, we've, publish original journalism every day on our website on atlasobscure.com, uh, videos that we're putting up uh, just about every day at this point, trying to evangelize this idea that our job as human beings is to, you know, seek out wonder in this world and experience it and revel in it. And, uh, you know, sort of the the, the next realization we had in, in, in building Atlas Obscure was that, oh, wait a minute. This is actually really about giving people these experiences, these experiences of wonder, and we should be figuring out ways to help people do that. And so we started putting on events, uh, local events all over the country, wherever we had kind of um, people who were of like mind uh, who had kind of joined us in this in this mission, uh, organizing whether it was backroom tours of museums or you know expeditions out to a uh, a ghost town in the California desert that. Was once planned to be bigger than Los Angeles, but never actually got built. To um, to, to to workshops that might be interesting, and, and then that like spurred us to say, like, "Wait a minute, we should figure out ways to take people on trips to you know all over the world to help us see not just our own hometowns in this way, but the wider world." And and we started doing international trips and leading people to you know wherever Mongolia, Bhutan. Uh, the Amazon, but also to places like Paris and Berlin and London, to show them the world through this lens that we're trying to define of 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 wonder and curiosity. And so that's kind of where we are now as a as as an enterprise. We what started as this kind of atlas uh, on on the web has become uh, something much bigger and 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 we think more exciting and you know gives us a lot of joy to be a part of. Yeah, yep.
0: I mean, I get the sense. Obviously, you guys didn't have any idea that I was going to go into this direction and get this
1: big. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead.
2: Dylan. <laughs> no,
1: I don't, you know, we, we found people who are like, Oh, this, yeah. Like this is the, this is what I've been looking for. This is how I travel through the world. This is the kind of community I want. And, and so we knew, you know, and then I think we just sort of like, it just grew step by step, but uh, yeah, you're right. In which, if you'd asked us nine years ago, sort of to, to to play out the future I we had some pretty wild dreams and actually sometimes if you go back and find our notes it's funny we kind we did actually write some um, not quite a number of these things down I just think we had we had no idea how to go about actually doing any of them then so it's the it's the figuring out the doing that's been um, been the kind of surprise and yeah the, the joy of it
0: yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of the same as a trip, right? You're just kind of figuring out as you go and you don't know what direction it's going to take you. When I first found the site, like many other people that you mentioned, it obviously resonated with them because there is this draw to these lesser known places. And when you find them, you feel like you've found a little, like a special little thing that you know people, other people don't know it about. And you feel like they should know about it, but they don't. and And how that affects you as a person. I mean, I'm thinking of one example. I don't know if either of you have been to the Crazy House in Dalat, Vietnam. Have you ever been to that that place?
1: I know the I know the site. I've never been there.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah, so it was just it was built by this woman and it was just really inspiring to me because she was basically going against the grain of everything in her community and all these people didn't want her to build it and they thought it was an eyesore and and it was totally it, it was sticking out like a sore thumb in terms of it, the architecture. And I mean, you guys, I know you're familiar with the site. And it's, uh, it was one of the things where I just, I went in there just thinking, wow, like somebody actually dedicated themselves to this and, and made this happen. I was so, it was one of the standout things that I saw in Vietnam just because of the story behind it. You know what I mean? And I, I'm just wondering for you guys, what are some of the lesser known places that you've been that have inspired you the most in, in your lives?
1: I I share with you, I think, a real love of kind of outsider art locations, often because you get a chance to know and talk to the person who kind of chose to take this incredibly quixotic life path, you know, who dedicated themselves to this, this uh, unusual pursuit, and that can be, it's really interesting to, to, to talk to someone like that and get to know them and and, and, get, and sort of be reminded that the rules you think are applied to your life don't actually apply. Like you could, in fact, decide to spend your whole life building a, a castle in your backyard. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a few that come to mind. I mean, th- that example is a real one. Uh, Bishop's Castle in Colorado is this 16-story castle that is, it is just unbelievable. There's There's nothing like it. Uh, you know, in the, in the world. Uh, that's sort of outside of our project that I thought was really incredible. Um, there was one in, he just passed away actually, but in Joshua Tree, there's a really little one called uh, Bob's Crystal Cave. Uh, and this guy grew up, he had a really hard life and he was in the Marines. And then he sort of said, you know what, I want to dedicate myself to like peace and harmony. And he moved to the desert and kind of turned into a hippie and started this swap meet. And then inside of the swap meet built out of a bunch of spray foam and like chicken wire, just this kind of beautiful, peaceful, there's a little waterfall that runs through it. And it's covered in all multicolored kind of crystals and tiny trees. And you know, and it's a strange space, but the real, the real wonder of it is talking to him, talking to, to Bob. And I had a chance to spend actually a lot of time with him because we were doing a radio story ab- uh, about him. And, and, um, and I just, now that, especially now that he's just passed away, I, that experience is very precious to me. It is very, it feels his entire outlook on life. His philosophy is like this thing that I get to hold on to. And it doesn't feel like it's not a check mark, you know, it's not like, oh, I did that cool thing, like on to the next. It's like it was, you know, it had sort of profound effects and, and on me all this time I spent with him. So, you know, that's a, I think that's a good example. Yeah, it won't surprise
2: you. Probably if, if you've ever been to the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Los Angeles <laughs> or have heard about it or read about it, it won't surprise you uh, to hear probably that that museum is has been incredibly influential in shaping my view of the world and um, really who I am, uh, what might surprise you, if you know about the Museum of Jurassic Technology, uh, is that I actually refused to visit it, despite it being this incredibly influential uh, museum in my life. Of course, I'd, I'd read Lawrence Weschler's uh, mu- book about the museum, which either won a National Book Award, or was a finalist for the National Book Award. Um, read everything about the Museum of Jurassic Technology, but couldn't bring myself to visit it because it was so influential in my life, and i was uh, I was a little bit a- 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 afraid. well, actually, you know there's a there's a great story about Sigmund Freud that uh, you know he was visiting America. He visited America once and was no great fan of the United States. He thought we were kind of crass and commercialistic and Um, He he wasn't particularly excited about seeing America, except for one place, which was Niagara Falls. And he was very, very interested in seeing Niagara Falls and set out in a car from New York City to go drive to see the Magnificent Falls at the Canadian border. And so the story goes, at least as I heard it, he gets about halfway to Niagara Falls and tells the driver to turn the car around. Because he prefers the Niagara Falls that exists in his imagination to the one that he might experience in real life, which would inevitably be a diminished thing. Um, I always loved that story. I found out recently that it's apocryphal. <laughs> that Actually, uh, Sigmund Freud did go to Niagara Falls. I think he may have even gone with Carl Jung. I think they were like both in town for a conference or something. He loved it. It exceeded everything. <laughs> that we, uh, it was more magnificent. And uh, once I learned that that story was apocryphal, I decided <laughs> I had to go to the Museum of Jurassic Technology. And so my, it was probably two years ago, I went and spent the entire day there uh, on a visit to Los Angeles. And it was uh, just as good as Niagara Falls. It exceeded all of my expectations. Uh, I probably spent $300 in the... Gift shop, buying books. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's an amazing place, and a- anybody certainly who's going to Los Angeles needs to visit. it. I would argue it is worth the trip alone for anybody who is of the Atlas Obscura mindset. Um, and uh, so that is that is the spot that, that <laughs> inspires me.
0: Amazing. I feel. Like there's a lot of stories out there, like the Freud story you just told, that you just you so want them to be true that I think that's maybe why the story itself just lives on for so long because everybody just wants to to believe in it, right? It's like, no, he was just at a conference. to go see it. <laughs> that's great. Similar to you guys, I know Dylan, you did the solo trip to Europe you mentioned. That was a pretty transformative experience for you and Josh packing up, doing the original hashtag van life thing, I guess, <laughs> getting the beat up van and traveling around. And for me, I had a solo backpacking trip to Europe. I spent a lot of years on the road. And uh, I mean, I know for sure, it's cliche to say, but I wouldn't be who I am without all my travel experiences and everything. But I wonder, you guys, with the focus on curiosity and wonder, and you can't put curiosity and wonder on a graph, right? You can't say people are at certain levels of it. But do you think... It's possible to reach certain levels of curiosity and wonder without exploring the world. Like if you never leave your hometown, are you going to be able to attain a certain level? I I don't really know how to put that into words, but I think you get the gist of what I'm asking.
1: I think so. In fact, I think you literally could never leave like your actual backyard as long as you had like access to books and, and some and information, a way to kind of research and, and dive more deeply. Like, I, I really believe that the fundamental, important part of all this is not the travel. Like, travel is wonderful. Travel is, uh, you know, a really, it's like a shortcut to sort of gaining some of those insights. But I, I think, in fact, you know, a scientist who spends their life studying the ecology of a clam that lives on one beach and and goes incredibly deep into that is is experiencing a kind of of transformational curiosity uh that is at the heart of what we're talking about and that i I do think sometimes there's a misconception that you know what matters is is sort of jet setting or or crossing things off the list. And in fact, what matters is engaging with the things you do more deeply. Uh, so that might mean you do less or see less or decide that you would rather stay and talk to one interesting person you met for a week, um, then go on and, and, and sort of just rack up, uh, additional sites. I mean, I think that it's the, it's the desire to truly understand that is the thing that is, Sort of the most meaningful uh, and not that i necessarily like achieve that um uh, but you know that's the that's the sort of aspiration yeah i mean i
0: love the spirit of that and that that is a spirit behind the site i mean in your day-to-day life you guys can each answer for yourselves of course what advice do you give to people if they're saying hey you know i want to be able to see through this lens of having more wonder and curiosity about the things that are around me yes i can't travel right now even though it's my heart's desire but you know, how can I get that mindset or that that feeling uh in in my hometown? Because I'm I'm not able to travel right now. What kind of advice would you share? Or you know, what are some things you do in your own personal life?
2: Open up atlasobscura.com. <laughs> first first a, spot. <laughs> go click on this what's near me button. Uh I am I'm, I'm not actually not kidding. I mean yeah. I, I do this in my own life. I moved to Boston four years ago from uh, Connecticut you know I'm the co-founder of this company I live in Boston there are still dozens of places uh, in atlas obscura in Boston in Massachusetts that I haven't been to yet and it is still prodding me to explore discover and find and experience new things and I I mean we had early conversations Dylan and I, I remember these conversations how many places are going to be in this thing before it's like complete Right, like, <laughs> a, like, is this going to be an interesting project for three years, and then we're going to have like cataloged all of the world's hidden wonders, and then we can, uh, you know, put them in a book and move on to the next thing. It actually grows exponentially. That's the crazy, weird thing about this is, like, the more you dig, the more gems come up, and the more people who know about Atlas Obscura and who you know participate in the community that is building this resource, the more stuff we find. And that's what inspires us and keeps us so excited about this project every day. Um, And also keeps us as, you know, civilians who who are uh, not just running a business, but trying to uh, live curious, engaged lives out in the world exploring.
0: What do you guys work on right now in terms of the site? Do you are you doing any of the writing? Are you just managing the business? How has that changed for you?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit different for, for each of us. And I think over in any given month, uh, the answer might be different. Um, r- right now, we are working on a big um, food-related project and, and book um, scheduled for 2020. So I'm doing a lot of uh, research and some writing. Uh, about the unusual history uh, and f- uh, food and drink all around the world. Uh, so that's been a kind of a, a new area, and it's been uh, exciting to to get a chance to dive deeply into something um, and and sort of learn about an entire new set of uh, histories and ideas that I didn't know that much about before. Dylan has also just come back
2: from visiting, like. N- n- 4,983 elementary and middle schools all over the country. Uh, <laughs> the day. And, you know, starting at 6 a.m. to to share this kid's book that he uh, is the principal author on, that is the Atlas Obscura um, Explorer's Guide for the World's Most Adventurous Kid. Um, and so he's really been all over the place talking about wonder and curiosity to young people, which is... Um, you know, I don't think we saw that that was going to be so central to what we do uh,
1: when we yeah. started this thing. That,
0: that must was have, a fun. Yeah, that must have been a beautiful experience, man. What was the reaction like?
1: It was great. Although I w- it does vary grade to grade, like third to fifth graders were just all fun. I mean, they just they were so excited, so interested. They had a million questions, like really sharp questions. Uh, You know, as you get into sixth grade, like that excitement's still there. There's like more sassiness. And then by the time you hit seventh grade, it's like so much more work. They're all all the seventh graders are like so worried about looking foolish in front of each other that they're like way more reserved and you kind of have to like work to. You can tell they're interested, but like you got to pull it out of them. Uh, But it was it was just absolutely so much fun because kids, you know, they just they naturally have that. Sense of of deep curiosity and joy in the world, and so when you tell them about you know the Snake Island, you know, or this giant bug that was thought to be extinct and then discovered alive, they just they, they it, their eyes kind of light up. So it was a really wonderful experience. Absolutely,
0: that's amazing. Ed, thank you uh, to you guys for sending the book because we we've, we've really enjoyed it and. Uh, I mean, kids certainly—you know—if you—if you lost any of your wondering curiosity in adulthood, kids will force it right back <laughs> on you. I think I mean, it's a—it's been an amazing experience. Um, Americana. I, I know Freud was driving to Niagara Falls. He wasn't driving to see the world's largest pecan in Seguin texas i'm not even sure if i'm pronouncing that down right i remember visiting the corn palace in mitchell i mean what do you guys think of those types of sites that are built in usually in the middle of nowhere off of a highway somewhere i find them fascinating for a variety of reasons but i want to hear your take on it
1: sure. what well, josh do you i mean you spent a good uh chunk of time going around visiting i think we both we're both fans yeah for sure i, I am as well it's,
2: it's funny like i <sighs> I think the thing that can be most interesting about those kinds of roadside attractions is um, when they can be put in some kind of context. Like the mm-hmm. like the world's largest ball of twine uh, um, is, you know, a really big ball of twine. And that's OK. That's interesting, I guess. It's kind of a, a sight to behold. But when you start asking, like, well, wait a minute, like who made this and what was driving the person that made this? and yeah. And, whoa, wait a minute, there's more than one of these? Like, why? And, like, where did this idea come from? And, like, oh, hold on, there are people still doing this? And, like, so I think from the very beginning, when we thought about what kinds of places belonged in Atlas Obscura and how we would define what this was all about, this enterprise, um, we said to ourselves that what was very important was we're not just interested in things that make go, oh, geez, wow, you know, there's got to be a story behind it. There's got to be um, a context behind it. The thing, like the, the, the wow is just what draws you in. And then it's what that place or that thing tells us about the larger world or about what it means to be human or what drives us as humans. Like that's the meat of of what we're interested in. And um and, and, and what's amazing is you know, anybody can add a place to atlasobscura.com, right? Like anybody can go online and, and contribute to this project. Most of the time, like people get it. They yeah. the places that they share are atlasy places or atlasy things. And this worldview that we've been trying to define this lens that we've been talking about like it it makes sense to people which is cool because we weren't sure if it would make sense to anybody beyond the two of us when we started this thing and i think we're um perpetually delighted by the fact that like people get it and and it shows in in the places that people contribute to the atlas
0: i mean i know josh you do a lot of or you have done immersive type journalism and I think you're working on something now that might be something along those lines. I'm not sure from what I read. But when you're doing that type of creative work, either of you, when you're documenting something, whether it's travel writing or um, you're trying to tell a story, but you're a part of the story as well. And oftentimes in travel writing, that is a big component. Usually it's somebody who's there and they're writing about it. And you're kind of trying to balance that, find that balance, Like I guess I would say, between staying in the moment and having the experience so you can write about it authentically, but then also kind of trying to understand in real time, um, or maybe not in real time, what what the story is here, what are the interesting bits that we should be going deeper on uh, with this person, or uh, the thought process behind how, how you're going to share this experience. Do you ever struggle with that in, during the creative process?
2: Yeah, it's like the principal struggle. <laughs> um, I think you've identified it. It's, um, yeah. How do you do it? Like, how do you handle it? it just keep asking questions as they, as, as they are presented to your, you know, as they present themselves to you, there's always in a conversation and when you're in an experience, an opportunity to like accept at face value, what you've just heard or push a little bit further and dig a little deeper. And, uh, like, oh, but would it be possible for me to see that? Or, you know, like, um, uh, really, that's what things are like for you. Like, would you mind, like, if I, like, spend a little bit of time with you to observe that with you? Or, like, you can always go a little bit deeper, work a little harder um, to learn a little bit more. And one of the things that I like about being a journalist is that it gives me a, an, like, an organic prod to continually push myself, often out of my own comfort zone, to like keep pulling at the threads and keep trying to learn more and keep um, keep pushing that sense of curiosity because I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm also doing it for the people that I'm going to share this with, and I think that was the thing that I discovered on that road trip that I was telling you about was like not just going and doing things, but writing about them was an excellent way, writing and sharing what I was writing, was an excellent way to force myself to be the kind of person that I wanted to be out in the world.
0: Hmm. Was it the the idea that, hey, you're going to share, this is for the people I'm sharing, is that the thing that kind of gets you over the hump and gets you into those uncomfortable zones oftentimes? Just the fact that, hey, I'm doing this is bigger than just my story. This is what is going to be shared and make an impact on people in some way?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think personally, I, I can I can sometimes be a little bit shy um, or like uh, restrained, and it's almost life as performance because I am if I am a part of this story and a proxy for the curiosity of the people who are going to be reading this story, then I have to. I have to keep pushing I have to get myself out of my comfort zone and for me personally that's useful I think there are people and actually I suspect Dylan is one of them who just have like a a natural kind of effusiveness which I'm sure you've heard on this uh podcast that like he, he, he doesn't necessarily need the show uh that, that I to do. so um we,
1: we may be a little bit different in that sense I, I I think you're right though actually I mean I will say the writing you know the, the the having to not just experience something, but then kind of knowing that as you're experiencing it, you want to present it to other people in this in this distilled way that kind of gets to the insights that matter, and then having to actually do that and and do the additional research and, and all of that. It, it sort of it crystallizes something. It, it starts to pull out. The stuff that does matter. So it's not just oh, I saw this guy who built this weirdo thing in his yard, you start to get to the like, majesty of human creation, It starts to pull out the threads that are, are deeper and, and more meaningful in all of this. So yeah, the writing is, is, is really helpful for that.
0: Yeah. And in terms of the the user submitted content, how do you guys approve that or vet it if you want to share the process so people know what they're looking at?
1: yeah i'll take I'll take that. I mean we from day one, uh, I mean day one it was it was me at the kitchen table, and then we sort of grew and we were able to bring on other people over time and But there's always been sort of a places department who sees all the stuff coming in, communicates with users uh, and and helps sort of take what are sometimes just the beginnings of an idea, a paragraph or two you know, a couple of photos and bring it up to kind of what we think of as our, our level of, of acceptable quality. Um, and, and we, you know, we have this relationship with our audience that is kind of absolutely essential to the entire uh, operation. And I think on our side, they, our audience trusts us and our users, you know, they're not professional writers. They don't necessarily, you know, um, you know, they just know that there's something amazing that they want to share and so it's this sort of wonderful relationship where we can help take what are sometimes just suggestions or, or the start of, a, of an entry and turn it into something that's been really kind of thoroughly fact-checked and well-written, and, and that's been sort of how the, that's been how the process has been working since day one, and it's uh, it's still how it works now. So, you know, you real people see every single thing that gets submitted to Atlas and put their put hard time into into um, publishing it.
0: Well. You're both doing a brilliant job, as is your entire team. And I certainly appreciate it. The wanderlust in me appreciates it. Sometimes curses you guys because I, you know, can spend <laughs> too much time on the site. But I uh, uh, really love what you're doing. And if you haven't been to atlasobscura.com or checked out the books or any of the stuff we talked about today, I got to say you're missing out <laughs> because there's so much to explore there as we've explored in this conversation. And I just really appreciate your time, guys. I, I wanted to do this in person somehow, some way. It didn't happen. We did it over Skype, but that's okay. I, uh, I'm just glad that we were able to get you both on a call. And uh, I, hope, I do hope we get to cross paths in, in person at some point. And yeah, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks. Hey, I got an idea. Next time, let's do it in the uh, Emanuel Vigeland Mausoleum in Oslo. Yes, <laughs> I'm there.
0: Perfect. Are you coming out here anytime soon?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll come out there for the 14 seconds of echo. You can look it up. Yeah. Nice.
0: Now I see that's a place I haven't been. So, uh, uh, well, gonna...
2: offline. Let's talk about that because we we, we should we should fix that.
0: That's <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
2: Okay. Take care. Take care. Thank you.
0: There you have it, my interview with the founders of Atlas Obscura, Josh and Dylan. Thank you guys so much for your time. I will continue to (laughs) use and abuse your website to fuel my wanderlust. Like I said at the the top of the show, if I need any more excuses to travel, which I don't, I can always go to Atlas Obscura and find some. (laughs) So thanks for stopping by the show. Got a few more things for you before we let you go. First, can a $2 travel experience change your life? It most certainly can, at least according to one of you fine folks out there in the Zero to Travel caravan, the listening community. I want to share that story in just a second, plus a quote at the end. First, another quick thank you to Pimsleur for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy. You're going to get a killer seven-day offer for Pimsleur's monthly subscription service where you can access all of the audio lessons for any language you want to learn, Spanish, French, whatever. Pick the language you want to learn Try it free for seven days for free. What do you have to lose? And if you feel like it's a good fit for your learning style, you like learning on the go, which I'm assuming you do because you already listen to podcasts, you can just pay a low monthly subscription price and get access to all of the courses in whatever language you want to learn. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy. This is a special offer for Zero to Travel podcast listeners. That's you. If you've been putting off learning a language or you know you're going somewhere and you want to connect with locals, have deeper travel experiences, do it with Pimsler. i'm a huge fan been a user of their products for a long time and if you do decide to carry on with that monthly subscription you'll also be supporting this show because they're sponsoring the show and i'm also an affiliate for their products. so just to be clear on that but that's because i use them personally and really truly love their courses so check it out i'll leave that link in the show notes now let me get to this <laughs> this shout out ash from canada first of all the uh the subject line was hilarious ego currency <laughs> She says, Hey, Jason, I just want to reach out across the internet land to give you some thanks. I work a job I love currently, and I have the opportunity to listen to books and podcasts as I work. And I stumbled across your podcast and promptly listened to all 300-ish episodes in the span of a few weeks. You've been binged, my friend. That blows my mind. <laughs> thanks for listening to all these shows. Uh, she goes on and says, I had the whim opportunity to go to Sri Lanka, With three weeks notice, after 10 years of being stuck in Eastern Canada, I'd never been to Asia before, and any previous travel has been to the Caribbean with family over March break and a school trip to London, which I was fortunate to go on. 10 years later, just after my 30th birthday, I hopped on a plane to Sri Lanka with my new stepmother and had the time of my life and was reminded that I was missing out on something greater. So a few weeks ago, I came across your podcast. I'm happy to say I've gotten caught up from 2015. You're inspiring. Your guests are really interesting. I've learned so much and got so much on my mind starting my journey to being location independent and I even have an interview lined up for this coming Monday. Still trading time for money, but it's a step towards something greater. I just want to interject here for a second. That's key. You're just taking one step towards a new lifestyle you want to build around travel. That, mad props for that, Ash. Uh, she goes on to say, I've got a ton of social fears and I'm ready to overcome and I'm excited to see where this all goes. I'm going to email you in a year from wherever I am because I've decided that in a year it will be very different from now. She goes on to say, I just recently listened to an episode where a listener asked about train travel. I have one thing I wanted to share about trains. I went on the infamous Candy to Ella train in Sri Lanka. A quick Google search brings a few posts about it, and I can say of the 18 days I was in Sri Lanka, this was the highlight. We got a ticket for about $2 Canadian, spent seven hours in total to go 159 kilometers in distance on a rickety blue train that slowly went through the tea hills, eucalyptus forests, cliff sides, and the jungle. Town after town, we jumped onto third class with the farmers, chickens, and snacks because there were so many backpackers. That we're waiting to ride this train in second class or first class where you get a seat. We didn't know that And we jumped on the back of the train with the locals and didn't get a seat at all Instead I stood for almost the whole time And sometimes I sat with my legs hanging out of the door of the train or my head out the windows There were so many other tourists and the locals were used to it and made sure we had our cameras ready for peak photo opportunities We waved to locals chatted on the train bought amazing little snacks and I almost forgot to take pictures I was so in awe the whole time. It was the most zen I think I have ever been. There aren't many places left you can ride in an open train for $2. Highly recommend this be on any train episode you make. Aside from this, just wanted to do the thing you've been telling me to do three times a day for the last week is say hi. And she just goes on to finish up by saying, expressing some gratitude and saying that she would love to be on the show someday. If only for being a girl who did a thing and went from Uh, Finance, house, loans, debt, and illness to single, liberated, location-independent, debt-free, wealthy in many ways, healthy, and traveling the world. Cheers, Ash. Ash, you're giving me chills up my spine reading that. And you described that train journey so well. It makes me feel like I'm there with you. And, you know, there's something special about, there are many things special about travel. But those moments, those Zen moments where you just feel like everything is in balance and... You're right where you're supposed to be and you're just in that moment. Such a beautiful thing. I mean, is it not worth traveling long distances just to have those singular moments that stay with you for the rest of your life? Uh, I'm so excited that you're now part of this community, Ash. Thank you for dropping me an email. And please, yes, write me in a year. Let me know where you're at. And my friend, if you haven't checked in yet, want to drop me a line, just share your story, Jason jason.0totravel.com. You can get in touch Any time i read all the emails that come in and thanks to anybody that's ever taken the time to write or listen to the show you're very much appreciated and thank you as we continue on keep pumping out shows for you because that's what i do this is your show my friend this is a community-powered show so let me know anything you want me to do any topics you want me to cover that i haven't yet we'll work on some more train episodes we'll work on some of whatever you want whatever you want (laughs) okay Oh, by the way, if you haven't signed up over at zero to travel.com, you are missing out on some meetups. I mentioned the meetup we're doing here in Mexico with Location Indy, but we do stuff online. Uh, I have some more stuff planned in the future where we want to bring the zero to travel community together, IRL, so you guys can meet each other. So sign up at zero to travel.com. Don't forget to be a part of that newsletter so you can stay in tune with meetups and things like that. And that's the last I'm going to say on that. I'm going to finish up with a quote that I found that I think. Encapsulates this show perfectly. I don't know who this person is who said this, Christian Baluga or Baloga, but he said, you say freak, I say unique. <laughs> Thanks so much and I'll chat with you soon, amigos and amigas. <laughs> Peace out. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com
2: ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.